here. Welcome to the Fit Mom Life to the Fullest podcast, where we focus on how we can improve our physical health so that we can enjoy the life God has called us to, to the absolute fullest. Hello, I hope you're having a wonderful day. Thank you for spending time with me. If it's your first time, welcome. And if you're here every week, thanks for listening once again. So I do say in the intro that we are focusing on how to improve our physical health, you know, so that we can enjoy the life God has called us to, to the fullest. But today I'm kind of talking a little bit more about mental and emotional health, but of course physical ties in. It's just not as much geared toward burning fat or best foods to eat for this or how to get your protein or whatever. I'm going to talk about seasonal blues and some tips that I have for overcoming them. So disclaimer, first of all, I'm not here to diagnose anything or to say that I'm the expert on anything. I'm just coming at this from my own experience and my own perspective and then giving you some tips for what worked for me. So I am from upstate New York where we get all the seasons and we get them pretty intensely, right? We get, it depends on how fall is. So far, it's beautiful. I'm only recording this a couple days ahead of time and so far, it's been a really beautiful early fall, but winters tend to hit us pretty hard. And I definitely noticed, I don't really know how far back because I don't remember it happening in high school and college as much, but definitely after I was married and had had Joshua, who was my three and a half year old, that I was definitely feeling in a funk every season. You could set your watch to it, set your calendar by it, clearly, um, when the days got shorter and it was darker, you know, for more of the day and whatnot, that I was definitely feeling the blues. And I never, you know, went to the doctor, got it diagnosed or anything like that, where first, and that's kind of my first line of defense for everything is let's see what I can do first. Like, am I doing everything else that I should be doing? And, you know, see how that improves or it can improve with other things. So I'm not going to slap the label on it that I have seasonal depression. I feel like probably a lot of people do feel in a funk, whether it's, you know, could be classified as seasonal depression or not. But I think a lot of us might get in a funk when the seasons change like that. And I think for me, because I didn't ever notice it before that, I think that part of it is tied in with that, my current phase of life, which is where you're home usually a lot more when if you're a stay-at-home mom and you're, you know, the days are shorter and it's cold out, I'm not going to schlep a two-year-old around in the snow that much unnecessarily. And especially right now, so I have a three-and-a-half-year-old and an almost 11-month-old, when the, the season does, you know, keep progressing and it's snowing and it's blistering out, like I'm probably blistering, I guess, would be heat, but blustery, let's say. I First of all, I already don't like the cold. I am that person that I love the idea of being this Montessori mom and making them go outside no matter what the weather is until I realized that at the age of my children, I would have to go out with them every day. So we kind of cool that when it's really in the throes of winter. We go sledding and I'd say I take them out probably once a week, maybe (laughs) like in the snow, not just errands and things. But anyway, I digress. I think that part of it is the actual weather and darkness itself. But I think the other part is just the season of life where I am home primarily with them. I'm not going out for as many play dates or things like that. Or even in that example, I'm not taking them probably to the grocery store and stuff as much as I would when it's nicer out. And we're just in general home more. And I don't know if that factors into it as well. But I don't want to sit in that topic too much because maybe you've been there, maybe you haven't. And maybe, you know, it it can help you kind of clue into it because 
I didn't really realize that it was tied to the season of actual weather outside until I kind of took a step back. I'm like, why have I been in a funk lately? Why do I feel like this? Why do I just feel down and this and that? And then I realized like, ah, Brittany, it kind of felt like this last year too. And then, you know, either I got out of it or then these are the things I started doing. I think probably the first year, honestly, I just didn't even realize it and just kind of coasted through the winter. Like, all right, I don't feel my best. But then spring came and then it was summer and I was back to feeling great again. But then I think when that second fall came when I had just one baby and was gearing up for the second winter. That's when I think when the mood started happening, I was like, ah, we've been here before. I did feel this last year. So this year, what am I going to do about it? And so again, I don't want to sit in the darkness too much, but then let's get to the positives. What did I do? What do I do? Um, Because I am gearing up for that now as well. Like I said, it's beautiful. I'm looking out the picture window at a beautiful sunny fall day, but unfortunately that's going to be coming to an end soon <laughs> probably sooner than I would like it'll be here in a blink so anyway I have five tips today of I do all of these to try to get myself through fall and winter in a little bit of a better mood and in better spirits so number one is starting the day with movement or if you can't start your day with movement to just make sure you have movement throughout the day so I've listened to a lot of podcasts before where the podcaster has not had children and describes their perfect morning routine and they are like a single entrepreneur living by themselves or are married and have no kids and work from home and their perfect day starts with 20 minutes of walking or 20 minutes of stretching and then they lead into 20 minutes of quiet time meditation or prayer and then it goes into their coffee time and then they have their productive time and whatever so Obviously, that's not my life and that might not be your life. So realistically, if you can start the day with movement, that is ideal. So for me, hearing that and thinking, okay, it does make sense that the best way to start your day is with movement, getting your blood flowing. I'm not going to have time to do like a 20-minute walk or a 20-minute stretch in the morning and then also do a workout later. That's just not going to work for my life. So that's why I'm such a big advocate of working out in the morning because I think this kind of kills two birds with one stone. It makes sure you get your workout in and it fulfills that idea of moving in the morning. But if you cannot start your day with movement or it's a day that, you know, your mornings are just tight and it's too hard to get in movement in general or a workout, making sure there's movement throughout your day. I think this is big. The reason I do prefer morning is I think it sets your tone for the day because talking about being in a funk or whatever, what you are wearing, what you are doing, all contribute to that. If I wake up, roll out of bed, throw on a pair of sweatpants and a sweatshirt, and then just kind of grab my kids from their, their beds, their rooms, whatever, they come downstairs, however old your kids are, and then you start your day, you're just kind of feeling like a schmuck all day. You're in baggy clothes, you haven't really moved yet, and then the next step is that we start reaching for food that's going to comfort us or that is going to, we think, put us in a good mood because we're just kind of already in that zone versus waking up, putting on some tighter fitting workout clothes so we're aware of our body and how it actually is rather than just throwing a tent on it, but being aware of, you know, our activity level and all that stuff, but just throwing on tighter like workout clothes Starting our day with movement and then even thinking, even with the idea of, okay, I'm just going to do five minutes, 
but maybe you feel really good and then you continue and then after you finish your 20 minute workout or just your 20 minute walk or 20 minute of movement then you you know are gonna make healthier choices from that it's a domino effect maybe then you're gonna reach for a protein shake or you're gonna reach for protein pancakes or an egg omelet or whatever veggie packed omelet etc I have personally done that myself too where I have woken up like I am just gonna go make like really calorie bomb pancakes right now or oh you know what I could go for some cinnamon rolls maybe I'll make them for the boys and then you know of course I'm gonna have to eat two or three because I made them and that kind of thing and it goes down that rabbit hole and then sometimes I'll be like okay well I'll just get my workout done first but I am gonna do this I really am and then I'll do my workout and afterward I'm like you know what I do I'm not gonna do that it's not worth it it's not it's not the choice that I want to make right now because I'm just going to be tired a half hour after and whatnot and I feel too good right now. So I think starting with movement is always ideal because it puts you in that perspective for the day and allows the domino effect and the chain reaction to start happening. But if morning is not going to work for you, just get movement in there somewhere in the day. It does not have to just be a workout. And in a perfect world, it would be a combination of a workout somewhere in your day, whether it's morning or nap time or lunchtime or after dinner or whatever. Um, I'm always in awe of people that can work out after dinner or especially after you put your kids to bed because that is just not happening <laughs> in my lifetime. Once they're down, I'm like, all righty, I am not doing that. But say you got your workout in somewhere. I'm also talking about NEAT. And I did a whole episode on this. If you go back to, it was one of the first, I think, three or four which is non-exercise, non-exercise activity thermogenesis. So it is any movement that is not exercise. So just making sure you're moving throughout your day. Again, it's that vibe. You get that visual of if you're in huge sweatpants and a huge sweatshirt and you're just like sitting in a ball on the couch or sitting on the floor playing with your kids, but you're just sitting, sitting, sitting. So try to find ways to move around. Go do the laundry. Go walk up the stairs. Go walk to the other room for something. Go out and get the mail. Walk to your backyard and back if you, you know, feel like braving the cold for a second. But try to move in your day more than just being stagnant. Okay. And number two, tip number two, watch the refined sugars. So what I mean by this is those very not quick dissolving. <laughs> That's the first thing that came to my mind. I'm like, quick dissolving is not the word I'm looking for. Quickly digesting sugars like all-purpose flour and, you know, things that are just straight sugar that just turn even, even fruit would fall in this category. But I'm talking more about things that are in like donuts and baked goods and cereals and refined sugars are actually in a lot of foods. So check your labels and start getting in control of what you're doing. Protein bars, some people think, you know, oh, this chewy granola bar is good for me. And then you look at how many added sugars there are and things like that. And the problem with it is it spikes your blood sugar and then makes it fall and really encourages mood swings. So, so many people I've heard from just this little change when they go from not looking at their labels and taking in a lot of food that has refined sugars that they didn't even know did, then transitioning into tracking macros and making sure their carbs, their fats, and their proteins are really balanced so many of my clients have reported back that, wow, my mood and my energy is so much more stabilized throughout the day. And yeah, because you're not, like I said before, starting your day with just high sugar, say all-purpose flour, chocolate chip pancakes, that then an hour later you feel like you need to take a nap. Of course you feel like you need to take a nap. It might not be energy level or sleep that's a problem. It's the fact that you just had 
a huge helping of sugar for breakfast and it's not going to fuel you past the hour. Okay, so watch what your nutrition looks like and try to make sure it's evened out and stabilized. You have a good protein, a healthy fat, and a green and a fiber. Every meal, usually those two work together, the green and the fiber. And then carbs sparingly, but the, the whole grain or just no grain carbs like say whole wheat flour products if, if you're going with grain or if you're looking for carbs and other things vegetables have carbs fruit does have carbs you know sweet potatoes rice those kinds of things that are going to be more balanced they're more slow releasing carbs than just refined sugar that spikes it right away and then leaves you depleted afterwards okay Number three, tip number three, and this is big. I You might already be doing this, and I think it's just more well-known than I apparently thought it was, but taking vitamin D. And of course, disclaimer that you'd want to check with your doctor, any of that stuff. I don't think vitamin D is really one of those that you can overdo it on. So, I mean, unless you're probably taking a ton of it, but I know that even I do stop taking it. So I stopped taking it in the summer, but I do take it in fall and winter, And if I do get out in the sun a little bit, I'm like, okay, good. That was bonus. Again, I don't think that it's going to be overkill or too much, but this made a huge difference to me. This is where I'm talking about that difference between year one when I started noticing that I was kind of in a funk, but I didn't really do anything about it. And I just kind of waited it out until the spring and summer because I didn't even realize that it was the season. I didn't even think about the connection between vitamin D. I probably had been researching articles about this coming up for the next winter once I realized it was more seasonal related and I did start taking vitamin D and notice a huge difference. So my husband and I do take vitamin D every, like I said, fall and winter. And then we stop again when it's summer and we're outside more and the weather's nice and we're feeling like we get enough vitamin D. But I even went to the in for a physical a year or two ago in winter and I was taking vitamin D and she's like these are the best (laughs) look at my doctor looking at my blood work was like these are the best vitamin D levels I've really seen in this area at this time she's like you must supplement like yes I 100% do and makes a huge difference in my mood so again things that we can be in control of we're not in control of the fact that the sun might not come out for a week we're not in control of the fact that We might not even see the sun by the time if you're a working mom that you go to work and come home. You might literally be there just for the daylight hours because the days are so short. So the things that we can control are if we are having a piece of pizza that's going to make us crash an hour later or have mood swings and or if we take vitamin D, something so simple that you can just pop to make, you know, your attitude and your outlook maybe a little bit better. Two more tips. I love this one. Tip number four, to make a seasonal or a yearly bucket list. So depends on, you know, where we're at. Obviously, we're heading into October, if you're listening to this on time. We're we're mid-October. So to make a yearly bucket list right now seems a little silly, but if you already have one going, to focus on that and see what else you have to get done this year or like that you would want to get done this year so you can focus on what you can do during these seasons. Okay. So I kind of do both of these. I do make a list for every year. This year, I just happened to go with the theme of the year. So it was 20 things to do in 2020. And they range from like make homemade tortillas to read 20 books, etc. I have 20 different things on my list there. Okay. So I actually checked in with it the other day. I'm like, all right, I have three left to accomplish. And 
I have read, which this may sound so low to some of you. I actually started out the year with a really lofty goal of like 100 books. And when I realized that that would mean reading a book like every three days, a little bit more than that, I was like, okay, I don't think in this stage of life I can do that. Maybe with audiobooks. But anyways, so 20 books, whatever. But I checked in on these goals the other day and I was like, all right, Britt, you're at 17 books. I have three more books to read by the end of the year. So having goals like that, that are just year long, I think are just a fun thing to do to make sure that you are growing and you're learning. And some of them, again, are goofy. I mean, do I really need to make homemade tortillas? No, but I tried to pick things that I think will stretch me a little bit and that I think would just be good for me to know and that will bless my family, you know, or bless other people in some way. Maybe not everybody's blessed by me reading 20 books, but I think that that helps, you know, play into growth. And I also broke down that five of the books had to be spiritual and those kinds of things. So anyway, if you do make a yearly list, then just look back at it and see, all right, what can I focus on to bang out in fall and winter? But you can also make, so we do like family bucket lists for the seasons. So it gives you something to look forward to. And obviously you could just do this as a family then, or just keep it personal, but specifically in the season. For example, this one did not fly for me, but <laughs> I remember a couple of years ago thinking, all right, if I'm going to be here, if I'm going to live in this place with these terrible winters, I'm just going to get really into winter sports and then I'll like the cold and I'll look forward to it. Well, I went skiing and I did not love it. I fell every couple of feet and then I started getting the hang of it. And right at the bottom of the hill, I went up in the air and landed on a chunk of ice on my tailbone. And I just did not have a pleasant experience and had zero desire to try to get better at it or learn it. So can cross that one off the list. That was not going to fly. But I did realize, all right, Britt, like you just don't like the cold. You don't like the snow. I like certain, I'll go take a walk and then come back and want hot chocolate. That's about as much as I can do. So rather than try to change that because that's just not who I am, I, I can make a list of things that I do like to do or we would like to do as a family. So we're still in fall right now. So for, you know, fall, that includes going apple picking. There's also a shrine that we like to go to once a year. That's, it's not that far. It's only a half hour away, but we just don't get to it that much. So we made sure we put that on our list for fall to go take a little drive there and walk around the grounds with the kids and that kind of stuff. So it's just kind of nice knowing that you do have positive things to look forward to that are specific to the season. So even having that overall bucket list, because again, now I can look and say, all right, I have a couple things I have left to do. I still need to make homemade gnocchi. That's another one. <laughs> I got really into the food this year when I was watching Great British Baking Show when I was uh, just had Joey. I was going to say pregnant with Joey, but it was when I had all that time to just snuggle a newborn and nurse and yeah, I got really into cooking and baking shows. So anyway, that's why I think a lot of that influenced my list, but I have a couple things left to do. So now I can look forward to those in these starting fall and winter months to try to end out my year accomplishing them. And then again, seasonally too, so that you have some fun things to look forward to. I honestly can't even give you an example of my winter one right now because I, we haven't written our winter bucket list. And like I said, I'm just... Not as motivated to do outdoor things. We actually, well, we do have like go to a an exploring um, like hands-on kind of museum for the boys because we've not done that. We've gone to a science museum before, but it wasn't super hands-on. So things like that. I don't know how much that will be available at this time and this year, especially in the winter season. But anyway, we do, we will 
expand on that winter list to give us something to look forward to. But my last tip is to make some time and put some social events or service and or hopefully service events on your calendar. And I think that this helps in many ways. I think I am very introverted and it is very easy for me to just withdraw and stay inside for the four months and say, all right, see y'all in a couple months. That's why, (laughs) honestly, I joke about how quarantine wasn't that bad for me because it kind of gave me an excuse not to have to go anywhere. But, and some of you might be introverted listening to this and some of you might be extroverted, but either way, I think even speaking from an introverted state and if you're extroverted, you're, you know, probably all more so need to get out and see people. But I think, again, even for introverts, to reach out and to make, push yourself to make, you know, a plan once every two weeks or whatever it looks like for you, even if it's not leaving your house, if you don't really, you know, enjoy going out when it is cold out, but put it into your planner, set reminders in your phone to call a friend once a week. Can be a different friend. Nobody needs to know that you're scheduling it out once a week, but to make sure that you are talking to somebody else, getting ideas from somebody else, checking in with how somebody else is. It's also not all about you. And I think that we can so quickly go down, I can for sure, this like dark tunnel of, you know, I'm in a bad mood because, and I hate these seasons and I just feel out of it and I'm in a funk and why is no one reaching out and checking in on me? And I hate all those memes that are, especially even during quarantine, I've seen a bunch of them like, check on, you know, remember who's reached out to you in this quarantine time. Like those are the people that really care. Okay, well, what if they're over there making a list of if you checked in on them or not? So you can be the person that checks in on other people too. So I think that when you are regularly making an effort to reach out and ask, it doesn't have to be, you know, a dramatic thing like, how are you doing? But I do this now and I shared this on a previous podcast that I realized that, I think I just talked about this last week actually, that I tend to do the whole mental text for people. I think about how, oh, I wonder how so-and-so is doing. And then I do absolutely nothing about it. I don't reach out and text or I don't call them or send a letter or whatever. So this is an area that I'm trying to get better in. And I'm also the kind of person, if I don't write it down, it doesn't get done. I forget about it. It becomes that fleeting thought that I think about at inopportune times when I can't act on it. So I do jot it down in the margins of my planner. Okay, which friend am I calling this week? Call so-and-so text so-and-so. And I think that really helps because you are in contact with another person, especially if you're a stay-at-home mom and you're not talking to many other people during the day. And then we can tend to make our husbands our catch-alls and we like over-talk to them. This totally is me. <laughs> like, do you want to hear what I did today? First Josh did this and then Joe did this and then I did this and blah, blah, blah. And they don't need to bear all of that either. So it's nice to get to talk to somebody who is in the exact same stage as you or phases you to be like, oh yeah, how's this going? Oh, funny story. Yep. Okay. We're doing that too. You know, it's just that different kind of vibe. And also not just socially and not just, you know, from friend to friend, but making sure you are looking out to those you can serve and how you can help other people. Because I think in general, when we are helping others, your happiness level goes up. There's, I don't just think it. There's tons of studies out there that show how being a grateful person and being a person that gives back and gives to the community and gives to those less fortunate and stuff are actually happier people, actually have better moods and all of that. So again, I think this both reaching out to just making human connection with friends, but also 
sacrificing some of your time and efforts and things like that, both are really going to contribute to making you look and forcing you to look outside of yourself, not getting sucked into your little black pit of, I hate winter, I hate this, my life stinks. And you might even, because you might not even catch that it's weather related, but thinking like, oh, woe is me to all these things. If you're looking out, you're not focusing on those things as much and you are more grateful for your life. There, I have no idea who the author of this quote is, but I've heard it said many times that humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. And I think that that has made so much more possible and so much it's comes so much more naturally when we are busying ourselves with reaching out to others. You just naturally don't have all this time to really fester on how you're feeling or how people are wronging you or how people could be doing things for you. And, you know, those are none of those are productive thoughts. So the more you're looking outside yourself and reaching out to other people, whether you're serving or just reaching out socially, I think just puts us in a much better mindset, much more attitude of gratitude state. And who wouldn't want to be there? We don't want to live in woe is me for four months or six months or however long winter seems to drag on for. So if you have tips, I would love to hear them. This is really just my little modest list of the things I like to do. And I really would love to hear more and grow in that area because I do get a little nervous every year when that time's coming. It's like, oh man, it's that Sunday night feeling of like, oh no, we're back to it on Monday. That's how I feel at the close of summer. It's like, oh man, I do like fall, but now winter's coming and it's just easy to fall into a funk. So definitely try out some of these and I hope some of them resonated with you, but also I would love to hear yours if you have some. My email is fitmomlifetothefullest at gmail.com, but I'd also love to hear from you um, on Instagram in a direct message or Facebook. I am on there as well. But if you have a great tip too, I would love to share them next podcast, do a little recap of some new tips that maybe you contribute. So thank you for listening. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and I will talk to you next time. 